All right, switching, uh, kind of continuing the conversation, but moving to uh, talking about uh, yet another one of our legendary coaches with the Mustangs, and that being Larry Haler. Um, I know uh, joined uh, Greg Marshall still with us, joined by Donovan Bennett, Andy Fantuz, and and Tom McConnell. Kind of everybody with a, a different kind of perspective and a different uh, a different angle here. So first, I'm going to go to the player side of things, and uh, just before we kind of started to, to record here, uh, Greg would, and was uh, mentioning about Donovan's article on sportsnet.ca um when uh the, the a that article came together extremely quickly and was uh, obviously um you know a lot of people said it was extremely impactful on a, a very tough day uh donovan first to you uh you know your, your initial you know you've shared your, your thoughts of larry but you've said uh, even since then more kind of has come to mind uh how uh, how tough was it to kind of bring that into uh, obviously just the article format and then how many more uh, stories have come to light and come to mind since? So many. Uh, my phone is still getting push alerts from guys sharing stories on, on Facebook uh, and, and on, you know, different group chats. And, you know, I think the toughest piece about writing that article uh, is, you know, one, how do you, you, in a sense, eulogize someone who meant so much to so many people? But I was writing it in disbelief that he was gone. Like I, you know, still to this day, we're having this conversation and it doesn't really make sense to me. Like Larry was a superhero. I felt like he was going to live forever. So I think that is the, is the toughest part. Um, and just, uh, you know, n- knowing when I'm writing it, like I'm, I'm never going to be able to you know, talk to him, pick his advice, you know, see him in the press box when I, when I come back to, to Western and, and do games and, and talk to him and, and check up on him and his family and his, his grandchildren. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me, and I love seeing, you know, a former teammate of mine and, and twos and Andy and, you know, obviously, you, you know, you know, coach. And I, one of the things for me with Larry that I didn't, um, I didn't express, and there's so many, is um, he, Andy was a great player. Like I was a nice player to have. Andy's a player you need to have, right? Like I, there's a difference. And, um, you know, Larry, you know, one of his, his I think his greatest strengths was that he treated everyone fairly, not equally, treated them fairly. And so Andy might be able to get away with some things that I couldn't He has a great player, but he was able to manage all of these different personalities, all these different skill sets, people from, if you're at Western, across the country, not just across you know London or, or the province. He was able to manage them differently and understand uh, what they needed. So, uh, you know, he had some rules, you know, listen, if you, if you are not two minutes early for a meeting, you're two minutes late. And I'm like, all right, take it easy, Tom Coughlin. Like, if you want the meeting to start earlier, just say it's going to start two minutes earlier. But now that I'm in, you know, a business setting, I totally get it. I totally understand that you can't just be there when you need to be. You have to be there prepared to execute when you're supposed to. Uh, now, uh, you know, he would obviously always say to twos, fan twos, you know what? If you were a pro, I'd find your ass. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and he could say that because he knew fan twos was going to be a pro. And he was getting him ready for that uh, experience. But also, like, he wouldn't find my ass. He would bench my ass if I was too many places. <laughs> so he understood how to manage the different personalities. Um, and I think it's one of the, the greatest gifts. When you look at um, Greg uh, as a head coach, when you look at, you know, Michael Fold as a head coach, like, you see small glimpses of Larry in them. And I think, you know, that ultimately is going to be his legacy. 
I feel like we have to go to Andy now, and uh, I feel—I almost feel like I'm in like a political debate where I have to say you were mentioned. So rebuttal or <laughs> no? DJ was right. Uh, <laughs> totally, he had um, you know, Larry had a bit of a a, a bit of a soft spot for me, or or <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely treated me a little bit differently than than everyone else. Like uh, he would be. He would be at his desk in Thames Hall with stacks of papers in the, in the off season. He'd be reaming somebody out, like calling him if he didn't know didn't know him that well. Hey, guy, you know, call, just call him guy instead of like their name. And then I'd walk in and he'd be like, "What's up, Tooth? How you doing, bud?" <laughs> you know. And uh, but but DJ's right that like he knew I had a little bit of uh, I don't know. I had discipline or. Uh, punctuality like i just i just needed i needed some some guidance and some direction and he he certainly brought that out of me uh on the football field and when it comes to you know that that urgency and that and that full force ahead execution of like what we're trying to do and accomplish he instilled that into me uh like no other coach ever had um (laughs) yeah i mean where, where do you start with larry i mean it's uh but for me that was the biggest takeaway is that um, he, he kind of taught me that, you know, that what makes you successful on the football field, uh, and those lessons and those qualities that you learn from the game of football is, is what's going to make you successful later in life and, and anything you do and all the relationships you build throughout life. And, uh, he was the, the first and the main person that really instilled that into me. And, and I know that, I know that like football, that's one of the best things about football, but, uh, Larry was a very special mind at, at delivering that uh, appropriately, like DJ said, to all these different individuals from different backgrounds with different personalities. Um, he had just had a, a very unique way of delivering a message with very timely pauses and uh, some quirky accents here and there, um, but <laughs> maybe some, maybe a little bit of spit here and there too, but he knew when to be intense and he knew when to like develop the drama in the speech and then, the, and then just hit you with the punch. And it was just powerful every time. I, uh, that, that's, that's the main, <laughs> the main takeaways for me. Like he was uh, just a very special mentor and, and leader amongst large groups. Could read a room like, like no other. Tom delivering a message, uh, you and Larry delivering uh, the Mustangs broadcast on uh, News Talk 1290 CJBK for a number of years, and uh, you guys doing the, the broadcast, and I know obviously having the, the on-field connection with Larry as well. Uh, for, for How did that, uh, obviously there's the connection of the being uh, of playing the game, is that how the connection of the broadcast kind of came together? Or Yeah, you know, going back to what, to what Donovan said, uh, Players may not have been treated equally, but they were treated fairly. And so I remember, unlike these three guys, uh, I I wasn't recruited. I walked on at Western. And the first day I met Larry was uh, training camp. It's like testing day. And he he came up to me. Hi, Tom. Larry Haler. And he shook my hand. and, And then after that, right, it didn't matter where you were from. Didn't matter how hard he recruited you. It was about performance on the field. And it was about, you know, were you doing the job or were you not doing the job? And, and we had on our team, especially in 94, I, I don't think we were the most talented of teams. We had a lot of talent. We had some big personalities, though. 
and we had some characters. And Larry never tried to be like out character you or be a bigger personality or suppress. Greg can attest, like we 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 have some very loud players on that team. I don't even think I'm the loudest. Like maybe one loud. I don't even know if I was the loudest. And Larry would butt heads, but would never like try to go over the top and show you who was the boss. He was always trying to work with you and work with your talent and your personality and your attributes and channel that on the field, which I think was a real testament to how he identified talent and got it pointed in the right direction. And so made sure we were all going this way as diverse and as outspoken and as crazy as we were. I mean, there, uh, earlier you were talking about, um, you know, Darwin and making sure personal accountability and, you know, if you're going to go to the seeps on Thursday night and make sure as like, we went to the seeps every night. Like we, we did not pay attention to that. We were like the bad examples. Do not follow those guys. This is not, but Larry, as long as we won, Larry put up with it and just made sure we were ready on game days and just made sure. And so when our relationship ended as a player, I, I go back and I'm like, oh, the lessons you learned and the respect. And we also had, uh, you know, Larry had his kids starting to play at that time. So Jordan was a teammate of mine. So Larry, I also saw as a parent of a player. So at about that time, they started the Mustang Moms. So that was, you know, for parents to get together before the game and cheer on their kids. And so Larry socialized with the parents more. He socialized with my parents and other parents. And so you kind of saw a different side of him away from the sideline and away from the film room that, you know, softened the image of Larry a bit. And, and he was a little more human. He was a little more approachable. But he was always, you know, game first, player first. And then you respected him afterwards. And then it was really interesting to connect with him as a broadcaster because we had that relationship from the field, but he was, a, I'm going to say somewhat of a different guy, softer, gentler, kinder. I mean, I used the line before at the hall of fame dinner and, and, and he's was more Ted Lasso and less Ted asshole. And that, and that was the difference that that was, you know, he wasn't the kind, gentle coach. That, that's what I needed, though. I didn't need a kind, gentle coach. I, I had a great dad. I had great brothers. I didn't need a friend. I didn't need any of that. I need a football coach who wanted to win. That's what Larry was. And as a broadcaster, he was so insightful and funny and self-deprecating. And he was just, just, just always prepared. That was the one thing, as Andy said, you know, be prepared, be ready. Oh, he had notes and he had preparation of the other team. I didn't know what to expect. Larry was prepared. Larry was really prepared as a broadcaster. So that that made my job super easy. Anyway, it, it was great to connect with him. Uh, and I got to see the different side. As, as, as you know, the father, I got to see how many former players would come up and how proud he was of them. I got to see him bask in, you know, his grandchildren when they visited the booth and how he just lit up. I got to see really both sides of Larry and it was the softer, gentler side at the end where he was just such uh, still a great communicator and just so caring about the people who played for him. Uh, Greg, the, the caring aspect, I know that was a, a big aspect when we spoke a couple weeks ago, when, when he passed, you, you kind of, you, you wrote a, a quote for a, an article we did for the, the Mustangs website. And you said the big aspect was how much he cared that, you know, when 
life events happened. Larry was always kind of the the, the one that the, he called you on a multitude of occasions. How, how important was that that aspect? Because as you said, it was the mentor and the man that was always there. Yeah, it's hard to talk about. Uh, Tom Tom nailed it. I think uh, everyone here was fortunate to have no Larry, not just the competitive Larry on the sideline, that emotional, passionate coach that was so competitive uh, on game day. Um, I was fortunate that, uh, you know, I, I when I finished playing, Larry brought me back as a coach. Um, he was the first one when I retired uh, as a professional football player to offer for me to come back and help him coach. Um, yeah, I went to him when I decided was thinking about going to McMaster and being the head coach there. He said, "Oh man, you 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 thought you were the head coach here three years ago. It's time for you to go." You know, um, it was I, but I needed his blessing. Four years into that, when Michael Kirkley, you know, tragically was killed in that plane crash, and I found out I had to sh cut short my practice at McMaster. First time ever that I've done that and, and drive to London and go see Larry. I mean, you know, he was the first one to call me when I got fired by the Ticats to to um, say, you know what, this might work out. You know, I'm kind of thinking that I'm kind of near the end. And um, would you consider coming back to Western? You know, it, as different as Darwin and Larry were on the field, they were so alike in everything else that they did and in in what they were were great role models and they cared and the people that knew larry saw him not as this you know competitive emotional coach on the sidelines they saw him as an outstanding father an outstanding husband and a great role model who cared about his players that was what we saw that we saw and what we learned and i always said this like you know larry who spent hours and hours because he forced me to because i was the offensive line coach when he was the uh, the head coach um the hours he spent in preparation meticulous driven but then he you know he's he's over there with playing with his kids and you know you know taking uh, you know jen to her basketball games and matt and jordan to the hockey games and doing the. there was no larry time larry didn't have hobbies wasn't like Larry. Larry golfed a lot in the last, you know, you know, twenty years. He didn't golf when 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 he was coaching. He didn't have any hobbies. Didn't go fishing. Didn't do barbecues. He was a a husband and a father, and he coached football. That was it. Um, it he he was an unselfish, caring man. Who, um, when I found out that that Darwin passed away, I I just needed to be with Larry. And from that side of things, <laughs> understandable. Um, from from that, you know, to Andy for for you, sort of thing. You know, how many how many times later on in kind of the football timeline did you kind of go? That things pop in your head and you're like, I oh, he told me that. Oh yeah. I remember he said that sort of thing. Were those, were the things that happened on the front of the time and you're kind of going, wait a second. Oh yeah. That, that happened too. And uh, those later on in lifetime sort of thing that, uh, that were, were Larry in, insinuated. Oh, I think you're muted there, Andy. 
Thanks. He, he uh, wins the bingo game because somebody's got to be on mute. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to the next step, and I, when I went out to Saskatchewan, I mean, Larry's Larry's from there, and he he gave me some parting words, and 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 I kind of took those lessons that I was sort of taught. We were sort of talking about earlier, and and I was just completely focused and driven, and and working my working my tail off, uh, kind of in a different way at the next level. And I got that. I got those lessons from Larry, you know, like, you know, you got to hit it fast. You got to hit it hard and like, and, 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 and be prepared and, and do everything you can to, um, to give yourself an, an advantage. And that's, you know, it's coach for me. I think what separated me was, was sort of the, the craftiness on, on the field. And I got a lot of that from Larry just by listening to how he would break down uh, like the defense and, and talk about it from a, like a quarterback perspective of where, when is the quarterback looking to throw and, and what's going to be the easiest target for him. And uh, so, so I think just the, the discipline and the work ethic is, is the main things I got from Larry. Um, but kind of to echo to Greg a bit, I mean, uh, after I stopped, after I finished at Western, um, I mean, even my last year, I, I had that crazy uh, leg leg accident and and I, I didn't think I was going to – I might not walk again, let alone play football again. And he came and visited me in the hospital a few uh, – like three times and uh, just nothing – no talk about football at all. Just, you know, you got your – one of your star players here that might not ever play again and he's just – he's in there just as like a friend and a and – a, uh, to me and a family to me. And then later on in life, he, he, uh, you know, DJ talked about how good of a, or maybe it was Tom about how good of a writer he was. Um, you know, he, he did a special for, for uh, TSN and, and I, I'm just looking like as when, when I heard the news a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of looking back at, at some of um, these articles and he, he certainly was, he certainly had a way, way of words and presenting things. And, uh, and then we connected on the golf course and we had this annual golf golf uh, outing with um, a couple former players and Larry, uh, like Johnny Shahade and and uh, Matt Baxter. And it was always Larry and I against Johnny and Matt. And I, I, Matt wasn't one of his, his favorite players um, because he chose baseball over football. And so Larry didn't like that. And kind of a funny story is we were on like the – might have been eight, I think the 18th green and and Matt drained this putt to to beat us this one year and I picked up the ball and I just kind of tossed it over to Matt and he pulled like one of these like no look behind the back catches and Larry looks at him looks over at me and he's like nice throw twos <laughs> you know <laughs> like he just he was like it was, oh it was all of course it was the throw the underhand throw that uh, but uh, anyway I'm kind of rambling a bit there uh, but those are just some of the that to me, uh, that that family first and and that friendship first mentality is what uh, what 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 really separated him from from the rest. And um, as I got late going on in my career, I came across many different coaches, positional and head coaches, and uh, you know the ones that really cared about you. And it wasn't just a front, I guess you could say, and they didn't just say they cared. Uh, like a lot like like Greg is I mean the ones that really care about 
who you are and, and who you are as a person and, and developing you as a, as a person and helping uh, mold you into a better man will ultimately help the football team. But that was the priority. Um, those are the ones that really leave that lasting impact on, on myself or, or anybody that they come across. Uh, Donovan, obviously doing, you know, you doing games and you, you, you've done the big games this year sort of thing. And, uh, how many times when you're, you're, you're breaking down a game or you're doing, you know, color commentary for some of the big games in the OUA, are you going to automatically going back to some of those, those lessons learned when, uh, you're on the field, obviously, and some of those, uh, and, oh, even listening to the games, cause I get the enjoyment of clipping those highlights sort of thing. And you're even said a few times, I remember when Larry Haler did this, or, you know, even looking at the ways that Greg's doing things for Mustang games and kind of saying, you know, there's the, the Larry Haler influence. No question. Not even, you know, just U sports games. I'm watching, you know, games, whether it's CFL, NFL, NCAA, uh, at home. I'm pausing things. I'm rewinding. I'm pointing things out to my wife and my two-and-a-half-year-old child who both don't care. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking at the game still today through the eyes of Larry. And, uh, you know, I talked about the legacy that he has, you know, via the coaches and there's so much that we could talk about his impact on, on coaching in Canada and, and even just in amateur sport in Canada. But, you know, between, you know, myself, Dwayne Ford, Pierre Vercheval, you know, you have people with authority who've spoken about the game and when they're, they're, they're actually speaking, but it's really Larry talking. Like we all see the game through his eyes. And so that's part of his influence um, as well. You know, it, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, he's got – you know, his, his philosophies in terms of, you know, football. And, um, you know, I, I wrote it in the article, you know, he started running the wing tee and he was like a progressive guy in Canada running the wing tee. And then by the time he leaves, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, coach Samways is the offensive coordinator or Greg, when he came back, you know, uh, it was the, as a coach in waiting, he's running, you know, zone read concepts, you know, RPOs, things that, you know, we're, we're now seeing obviously at all levels of football. And so his ability um, to change over time was one of his uh, greatest strengths. But some things fundamentally, I believe, and again, it's because I get it from him, in football don't change. And I, I, I don't think it's coincidence that, you know, we obviously lost Larry and we lost Darwin this year. Um, but they, they both went out watching a, a Western team win the Vanier Cup with principles that didn't change from when they were head coaches. And it was specifically when you talk uh, about Larry, um, you, know, you know, dumb will get you beat. You know, he, everyone wants to recruit great athletes. He wanted to recruit smart athletes. And part of that is you got to get them in the school. But, but another part is you want them to be assignment correct, to be coaches on the field. And when you look at, you know, that Western team that just won a Vanier Cup, smart team, young quarterback, smart quarterback, didn't beat themselves, you know, weren't heavily penalized. Uh, and then there's things you know about, you know, Larry's teams, Western football teams. They're going to get off the bus and they're going to run the football. And obviously this team continues – uh, that tradition uh, and, and they're going to make big plays defensively. They're going to turn over the ball and give, you know, short fields to their offense. And, 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 and the last thing is um, we, we always talk about, you know, who's a genius coach, who can scheme him up. It's still a game that we overcomplicate that comes down to fundamentals. And Larry loved the fundamentals, spending time in spring camp, in training camp, going through those things and, and knowing that when you do that over time, when you add them up, they're going to make you successful. And, and that was a fundamentally sound football team. The sport is about running, catching, and tackling. And essentially, if you do those things better than your opponent, 
chances are you're going to win. And, and, and so it's a credit to Greg for, you know, not, you know, losing some of those lessons that he got from Larry. Uh, and, and just one of the idiosyncrasies that he had, and there's so many, is Larry was obsessed with hips. Like he might as well be Shakira. Everything, whether you're throwing the football, he's talking about your hips, you know, uh, talking about tackling, bring your hips through, uh, you know, drive blocking, wear your hips. Uh, and so he would always talk about, you know, having a pelvic thrust in hips. And so in the background, those guys dying laughing, but he was dead serious. And it was, again, part of, you know, wanting to imprint on us uh, the, the fundamentals of football. Uh, I think that kind of transitions nicely to what I was going to, we've had a little bit of emotion, so I want to try and lighten it a little bit. And I'm going to go to Tom first for the fun stories of Larry Haler, because there's the, the on the field stuff. Is there, is there a kind of a, a funnier, it's not kind of something, uh, you know, lighthearted that kind of comes to mind outside of the fact that he may or may not been on the, uh, the admission list for the last, uh, little bit, uh, last couple of years uh, under a certain new sports information person who he's swears that wow. did not put him on the list yeah le- all right well let me start with that story and as much as uh donovan talked about hips which is interesting how much we talk about hips and core strength these days hand position is embedded in my head from both larry and not hand position talking about 12 o'clock and two o'clock and hand position was like if i see a receiver reach for one hand two hands tom two hands always two hands always two hands one hand, that's showmanship. Two hands always. How many times I see that? Uh, the funny thing was, I, I want to get to, I got a film room story, but I'll talk about, uh, I walk in to game day and walk up to the bench and, hi, Tom here. Oh, hi, Tom. How are you? Here's your name. Here's your wristband. No problem. There you go. Have a great call. See you. And they recognize me for no reason other than maybe, I, I, I don't know, I say hello every week. Every week, Larry is on the list, and they can't find him on the list. Every week, they can't find Larry. I'm sorry, who are you, sir? Uh, I'm on the li- Larry Haler. And in his mind, he's like, you don't know who I am? Like, are you kidding me? You don't know who I am? So he goes through this whole rigmarole with these part-time you know, work placement students who are there probably just to get their hours. And they're like, oh, there you are. Okay, all right, thank you. And I hear about it for five, ten minutes. It's the first conversation we have. Were you on the list? Were you on the I go, of course I was on the list, Larry. They walked me in, escorted me. Thanks, Mr. McConnell. See you later. And I was like, great. I wasn't on the list. They couldn't find me. <laughs> it was like, And I'm like, don't they know who you are? Don't they know who you are, Larry? That was they my didn't. favorite is one time I got a call on my phone in the press box from somebody at the front door. Hi, Ryan. We have somebody at the front door looking to get in. Uh, is it okay? And I was like, what's their name? Hold on and say, what's your name? Larry Haler. I went, let him in. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, so Larry, when you're a player and it's straightforward, it is no BS. And one of the things that I think has been part of my success is going through a film room for five years. And having an honest assessment of what you did. And, and you know, Donovan in the media, Andy in the media, anyone in the media knows that in the media, we sometimes work with delicate egos. So telling someone they weren't quite right or we could do this better or this wasn't perfect sometimes takes some finessing. And uh, it, it's one of the, well, maybe we could have done this, that like, like the straightforward talk. And then when you get in film room, and you're pointed out right there, and, and, and Greg's part of it, and Larry's part of it, your position coach is part of it. 
uh, what is that? What are you doing right there? What is the play? And they're breaking down. When you make a mistake, they'll point it out. When you do something good, they'll point it out. But but telling you straight up, no BS, this is what you did right, this is what you did wrong. This is This is good, this is not good, is great in terms of developing an ability to accept constructive criticism. And, and saying, th this is what has to happen for us to be successful. And so in football, every play can kind of gauge, was it successful or not? And it's like, yep, we got six yards. We got 12 yards. We got sacked. We got a touchdown. We have an outcome right away in football that you can say, this play was a success or this play was not a success. And in a lot of jobs, it's not quite like that. But the ability to, the film doesn't lie. The tape is not lying. I'm looking at that. This is what you did this is what you did right or this is what you did wrong is really beneficial to go through that process and hear and build on that. Accept the criticism, go back to the practice field, learn from it and become a better player. And, and I think by going through that, and it's not just at Western, but, but, but I only did it at Western, helped me as a person accept my shortcomings, build on them, correct them, do better next time. We always want to try to get better. And Larry was a talker and had his phrases, alignment dictates responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. But the best was when Larry made a mistake or Larry, Larry just had sometimes didn't get the language quite right and was just off. And so we had a, a play and we're in film room and it's everybody. All right. Look at this receiver against the DB. It's one on one, macho a macho. And we're looking at each other like, mano a mano is what you mean. So, macho a macho became our one of our catchphrases for the rest of the year. When Larry and Larry never, hey, knock it off, or he accepted he made a mistake. He was full in on the mistake, though, too. Macho a macho. And we're like, macho a macho. As someone who took Spanish O02, mano a mano, Larry, man to man. This is what we're, this is, it was great. It was, it was when Larry made a mistake, everyone knew it. We had a player, Andreas Nolte. He was a first year player and he was a running back and he was from Central. And we always gave every first year player nicknames. And because his last name was Nolte, his nickname, of course, was Nick. So Nick would do the plays and he's third string, fourth string, whatever. And we're like, come on, Nick, let's go. Hey, Nick, good play, Nick. All right, Nick. And Nick screwed up. And Larry, not fully knowing his name, yelled at him, Nicholas, what are you doing? <laughs> his name's Andreas Larry, not Nicholas. <laughs> but he only knew him as Nick because everyone called him Nick. And so he was Nicholas for the rest of his career at Western, not Andreas. So there's a thousand Larry stories out there. And usually he's <laughs> the... Usually he's the one when he makes that rare mistake, everyone pounces on it. Greg, I know you've got a couple fun Larry stories, so I feel like I should just kind of let the floor go. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a, a one or two that, to kind of. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of funny ones. Um, and remember, it's you know, a podcast. You're allowed to say whatever you want. Yeah, I know. One thing about my uh, relationship with Larry, it was different than Darwin in that, you know, I, I, Larry was the offensive coordinator when I was a player, so I my direct was directly responsible and interacted with Larry on every single practice. Um, and then when I started back into the assistant coach, who that was the time. And Donovan nailed it. Like the guy knew, like he, 
he and I sat and he drew up plays for hours and hours every single night. I get home at 12 o'clock, one o'clock, Larry drawn the same place up, but just meticulous in it. But I would say that, that, you know, I, I don't ever remember Darwin and I having an argument like, or, or any crosswords, Larry and I, those years that I coached with them, my goodness, on the sidelines, we were, I guess we we're just too much alike. Um, you know, yelling and swearing at each other and he's throwing the headsets down because I'm up in the booth and he'd get down here right now and I'm said I'm not coming. All of those. And you know what? It never when it was over, it was over. That was it. Game's over, or you know, two minutes later, you know, hey Greg, my man, what's going on? You know, it's like uh that was Larry, you know, and that's you know, Nigel kind of laughed about it. He said I was listening to this song on way on the way over, and I'm not sure who it was by, but it reminded me of Larry that you know for for anything to grow there's got to be a little rain, and there was it wasn't for our relationship and we, I had an amazing relationship with Larry and a really good friend, but there was times we you know got after it a little bit, never personal, always about football, but we did, but Larry Larry came into the huddle when we were I think probably when I was my third or fourth year as he general, generally did, and blew up on us. Like, if you got, you know, let us have it, you know, yelling at us that if you don't want to work hard, you're not going to practice properly, know your assignments, why don't we just take it in? And, you know, and Mike Kirkley's, you know, we're in the huddle, Mike's on the fullback, Mike's a tailback, and Mike looks up and goes, Larry. And Larry just keeps ramp, ranting on over top of him, and he goes, hey, Larry, what is it, Michael? He goes, um, Larry, did you cry when Ole Geller died? <laughs> it was like Larry just says, "What? What? You know, what's he gonna do?" And he tried not to hold back a laugh. He turned and just walked away. So yeah, yeah. Oh, Mike Kirkley had a way to kind of, kind of get under Larry, you know, because uh, he had this funny way about him. But they're both a lot alike. But yeah, lots of good stories. Um, about Larry and really, really great memories. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of with uh, DJ on this one. I just um, can't believe that, that, you know, it's hard to process that, you know, he's gone and that, you know, it's one of those guys that just was, yeah, so impactful and just thought he'd be for, here forever. Uh, Andy, same to you. Uh, any any fun memories? Funny memories? I'm, I'm trying to keep it as as light as possible. I know it's a, a tough a tough subject, obviously, and a tough topic to uh, we're we're all dealing with. Yeah, the news certainly certainly hit hard. Um, I I I really liked how Larry uh, at the end of a game approached the sort of the breakdown. Um, you know, he he really instilled the 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 stick together mentality, and it was. You know, we win as a team, we lose as a team. Um, it's like take care of each other, make good decisions, go and celebrate. And you know, he'd be out there with us, out at the at the seeps with us, and having a couple having a couple beers and just really enjoying um, being a part of the group. Even though it was up to that point, it was just so intense all week long. Um, going from the night before the game, we used to walk over behind the Ivy building there and go up on that hill, uh, run up the hill a few times. And, and then he'd give his speech and 
uh, like kind of mentioned it before, but like he's <laughs> using those, those, uh, those, some of those famous lines that he had and, and spitting all over and, and just, it was so intense. And, and I, I kind of took that later in my career, my pro career. And, um, when I became, you know, one of the team captains and, uh, I started to, to give the speech and, and like DJ can attest to this, I wasn't much of a, uh, a verbal, like a talker on the, in my, my Western days and definitely not in my early days. I was more of a, just a smiler and get, do my job kind of thing. And, and have a big grin and have fun, but um, wasn't wasn't a motivatable motivational speaker amongst the team. And but I, I sort of took that on uh, from Larry later in my career, and even when it was almost a totally different generation of players, um, and I was the old guy on the team. But just just having just getting fully immersed in the pregame speech and 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 the intensity of it uh, would would fire anybody up, and uh, so you know, both, I guess the pregame and then the postgame are, are things that kind of, kind of stick with me. Uh, I know everybody's got, you know, a busy schedule. Do, any final thoughts uh, as we kind of wrap up here on, on the, the man, whether it be the, the on-field side of the things or, or the, the away from the field side of things, uh, uh, the floor is open. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll start with some, I mean, I think one of the things, you know, Greg mentioned, uh, um, you know, and him you know, basically calling Greg back home to, to London. And um, I, I want to underscore and that because that was Larry. Larry loved winning and he loved coaching and it defined him. But he also loved the university and the program. And he wanted what was best for the university and the program. And it would have been really easy for Larry to continue to coach, you know, roll off six, seven wins a year, you know, put his wins record, you know, further in the distance. But he ultimately knew this is a special opportunity the special individual who loves this city university and program as much as I do uh, ego aside, I, I think this is what makes sense. And you know, that to me, I think Larry's exit defines Larry's entire legacy right there. And the fact that, you know, he, he so graciously, you know, shared that platform with Greg and then, you know, gave it everything he had uh, in that last year. And, and you know, the most uh, disappointed I've been, um, you know, as an athlete was that, um, we didn't do better for him in that last year. He deserved more. And certainly, um, you know, I, that's one of my, my regrets, but there's so many, um, there's so many, you know, Larryisms, if you will, that really um, stick with me. Uh, you know, two, as you mentioned, you know, going to the hill and running, you know, touch and peel, touch and peel. Cause you'd run up that hill yeah. and, and touch the tree and kind of peel back. And, you know, you talked to us about the ghosts of Mustangs past and obviously JW Little was around there, but it was a, a trek to go across campus from TD and do that. And that was one of the first things that Greg's like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. You guys, there's a small <laughs> hill in the back. You guys can run up it and run back down it if you want, but we're not, we're not doing that. Save your life. But Larry really, really cared about that tradition. But one of the ways that the two of them uh, are the exact same is, boy, do you love chewing out referees? Man, Larry... <laughs> Why don't you just put their sweater on? Why don't you? Oh, there's a referee has never had a good game when Larry was the head coach. I'm like, 67? What's your number? Turn around. Let me see your number. 67. I'm going to report your ass. Love to chew out the referees. Would shake their hand afterwards. But in between uh, those whistles, man, good luck. Um, but he was, he was hard on everybody. He, we talked about how he was hard on, on players. But he was hard on coaches. And he understood 
the the players he could be hard on. And sometimes if he couldn't be hard on a player, he would chew out that position coach to get to that player. Poor Nigel, who always <laughs> had to hear it from Larry because one of his receivers wasn't blocking downfield or didn't have the right distribution on a route. So, you know, I think, yeah, I think, you know, those gray hairs that came to Nigel real fast, they came because of fan two, uh, not because of anything that <laughs> Nigel did. Um, but there's in every generation and every team, there are certain players that Larry really loved and gravitated towards. And he would say, you know what, gentlemen, I would go to war with a thousand fill in the blank. I would go to war with a thousand Mike Box. I would go to war with a thousand Dwayne Fords, whoever it was at the time. And that was something that Larry, you know, was known for because uh, he, he was a grinder and he gravitated towards people who were grinders, who really were going to give everything, not just on Saturday, but all of those days in between. And, um, you know, Greg talked about him, you know, drawing up plays and, you know, giving us these ready sheets and cursive, which was another blessing that Greg actually knew how to type uh, so we could actually understand everything in the ready sheet. But uh, he, he had so many, like, you know, offensive plays and, and concepts in his mind that I remember as a running back, I'd be beside him on the sideline. You know, he, he kind of touched the small of your back as he's trying to push you in to, to, to get you in the game and, and, you know, get in a play. And, and he would be like, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. And it's like, <laughs> where do you want to go? Larry? Like, the play clock is running out. What play are we running? But he had so many great ideas that it, he, he didn't know how he wanted to, to go after a defense. And, and him on the sideline, it, one, another trait that he and Greg share is if someone on the field does something incorrectly, the wrath is for everyone around him. It, it, so the left tackle messes up and everyone around him is hearing about it and not the players on the field. And God love him. If he doesn't know what hash mark the ball is going to be on, everybody's in, what hash? What hash? I don't know, Larry. I'm standing beside you. We're looking at the same game. So well, how do I know what hash? But that, that was him. And the last thing is he was a competitor. And, you know, I, I wrote in the article, you know, dare to be great is the, the quote that he often would, would say uh, in reference that I, I stick with. And obviously the man in the arena, you know, is who counts, not the critic. And, and, and certainly broadcasting it being so subjective and competitive, it's something that really impacts me. Um, but he would often say to us, well, gentlemen, we'll, we'll play them on the 401. I don't care. We'll play him right now. I don't care. And he really like meant it. And I was like, well, like, is the exit ramp going to be the sideline? How are we doing comebacks? Like that makes no sense logically, but he was trying to impress upon us that all of the pomp and circumstance doesn't matter. What matters is the group right here, what we do, our preparation, don't worry about anyone or anything else. And I think, you know, when you, I mentioned that legacy that he has, when you look at the program that, that, you know, Greg went and built at Mac. You know, when you look at what Greg has done since at, at Western, when you look at what other coaches that are part of, you know, Larry's tree and or now part of Greg's tree, like that is the constant, uh, you know, that, that they, they all got from Larry, whether or not they directly um, were impacted with him. So he is, uh, for me, the most influential person in, in Canadian uh, amateur football. Uh, that's his like. Does anybody want to try and follow that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you, you, you nailed it, uh, DJ, just like you did in your in your uh, 
in that story you wrote. It, it was perfect. Um, I know we, we redid the locker room. Uh, still, it's an ongoing process, but I will tell okay. you, I will make sure that, that we get a new Dare to Be Great sign with Larry's name underneath it. I don't know who, where Larry got that thing from, or if that was the Roosevelt one, or who he got it from. But from from this point on, Larry's name will be under that quote hanging in our locker room. Uh, any final thoughts, gentlemen, Andy, Tom, before we we wrap things up? Yeah, I'll, I'll just say one final thing. Uh, it, it was, and I'm going to get emotional here. Uh, and I don't even know if I can get through this be, be, because the last nine years, he kind of filled in for my father, how I, I'd connect with them. And uh, sorry. All right. So I asked him once. So I took on a management role in my company and I asked him, I had to let a guy go. And he was like, all right, lay it on me. And he kind of guided me through the process of how to do that, which is difficult when you've never let anyone go. And it's like, all right, is he a team player? You know, do you need him on your team? I'm like, no. And, and I went through all this and he's like, all right, well, you just got to tell him he's out. Like that's it. And it was great. I was like, yeah, I just got to rip off the bandage. That's all I got to do. And of course, Larry followed up. So what did you do? And I'm like, well, I let him go Larry. Like, like he was really vested. And this conversation took part on a road trip to Windsor. Like Larry and I went on road trips together. So I, I tell him the story on this road trip to Windsor. And then the next thing he's like, all right, did you let him go? And I'm like, yes, I let him go. So he told my parents and, and, and Andy, maybe he told you this, uh, how great you were, but he'd never tell other players how good they were. And he wouldn't be like, you know, you were fantastic, but he told my parents one of the best compliments I ever had. You just had to point him towards the field. And, I, and I'm like, Oh, that was so nice. That was great. And then Larry and I, we got together, we were together for nine years and we'd exchange emails, uh, you, you know, just like, Hey, Larry, Merry Christmas. All right. All the best. See you next year. Uh, all the best to the kids, blah, blah, blah. And so we exchanged emails, uh, this Christmas, Hey Larry, I'll get you paid. I've submitted your invoice <laughs> and, and, and the check will be coming. And they sent me something back. And then he said to me, you're the reason I do the games that, that that's it you're the reason I do the games. And for me, I'm just like, what are you like? Oh my God. Like that. And he felt that way. He was so proud of his players. Donovan, he was so proud of what you did. He was so proud. The only guy more proud of, of you know, than, than what you did was of Dwayne Ford who couldn't have done anything better. I think he was most proud of 40. And maybe it was his way, going back to the position coach, of motivating me. Tom, did you see Dwayne Ford last night? Wow, is 40 good. 40 is so good on those broadcasts, staring right at me. Like, come on, pick your game up or something like that. But, you know, just that simple communication. And, and, and I'm like, wow. And, 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 and for that, you know, it was just, I, I, I don't think I, I can receive, you know, a compliment higher than that. And he made sure to tell me, which that was the last thing he said to me. And so for me, I'm just like, oh, my God, like that to, to, to leave there. Like, that's why, you know, Ryan, when you called me, sorry, that that to go on that journey. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to find out, you know, if this is what an awful assignment you gave me. And I'm like calling around and I'm calling old players and I'm calling, you know, Lori Bartolotta and Todd McKay, if they've heard and we're like, oh my God, we can't hear. 
and and for DJ to sorry Donovan for you to that story I was in shock I have never taken a day off work and I took Friday off because I was in such shock I had to process that thing all weekend and then finally Sunday I'm able to put something together like what an amazing thing you did over like crystallizing what I think we all kind of felt and I'm in shock Greg's in shock everyone I talked to was in shock and for you to do that I think meant so much for all of us really to put into words what he meant and it really uh, I, I tell you it helped me over the weekend so I can be like he was a good man he was a great man. He meant a lot to all of us. So, guys, on that note, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's like when I went on the air after my mom died. I'm like, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to do this. But I think, you know, he was tough. He was fair. But in his way, that, that's why we loved him. That's why that, that's why we loved him. That's So I'll leave it there. And, and I'll let you cut this last five minutes out. <laughs> no, that's that good. Uh, Mr. Fantuz, apparently you were a fan favorite of Larry. So I think we'll maybe give you the final, uh, the final word to you. Uh, Donovan, I loved how you, you said that I'm going to war with a thousand and, and actually you, you were, you were, uh, what he, what the name he would use many times because you were so tough. Um, and, uh, but I got, a, I got an opportunity to go on a, a call like this last Friday with, probably 30, 35 ex players, a lot of which I played with a few were a few years before my time. And, and to hear, you know, you were sort of just like, say your name, what years you played and a story about Larry and, you know, for 35 different stories to come out and, uh, and make everybody laugh. And and we're there for a couple hours, uh, like really, really is his legacy to me and and you guys did such a good job today of kind of um expressing expressing that but for to be able to like kind of you know i got hit in the head a few times so to be able to remember some of those stories i was just cracking up like one after another after another and uh and that that really is his legacy is is just the impact he had the positive impact he had on everybody he came came in uh, everybody who who had an experience with him throughout his their lifetime um really says you know how special of a person he was well gentlemen i know this has been a, a tough time and uh we've all we've all shared a tear or two here um but i, I wanted to thank you all for, for for doing this and sharing some stories um, and at the same point, uh, you know, giving uh, giving recognition to a great a great man. And uh, you know, this is, this has been a tough little bit, but it's been a good one. So thank you very much, everybody. Appreciate it, guys.